0: we're looking at our book of Ephesians. And the book of Ephesians, if you'll remember, we're we're calling this series, Walking is Called, and we're trying to connect um, what it means um, to actually be a Christian with the way that the Christian life is lived out. Now, if you've noticed, if you've been with us a little bit, you'll notice I'm skipping ahead a lot. And the reason I'm doing that is because this section, when I first started planning it out, deals with marriage and relationships and dating. And... uh, seeing how yesterday was Valentine's Day, I want to bridge the two together. And as long as I'm here at RUF around Valentine's Day, that week, you can count on one of these talks. And uh, whether it's in our text or not, you can kind of guarantee that's going to come, come up. And then I think generally about once every four years, hopefully, y'all will get, I'll do a whole semester on like sex, dating, marriage, whole deal. And that's, A lot of fun to do, too, because everybody wants to have all their questions answered. and It's just fun to do it. Anyways, I'm looking at the book of Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm going to read um, starting in verse 21. And I hope it's printed there in your bulletin. You can follow along with me. Um, So let's take a look at this. Sorry, I'm going to start my stopwatch so I don't run you over. Here we go. Verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ... Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body, and and it is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands. her husband. Amen. This is God's Word. Every word of God proves true that He is a shield to those who trust in Him. Will you pray with me? God, thank You for Your Word. I pray that You would open our hearts and our ears. You would be with the one who speaks tonight, O oh Lord, and that I would speak clearly. Thank You for my friends that are here. I pray that You would make them feel okay and safe no matter where they're at, that um, sinners are safe with Jesus. And it's okay to be needy in your midst. And so we ask that you would um, comfort the tender-hearted tonight, that you would soften the hard-hearted, and that in all things, O Lord, that you would um, make much of your name. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Um, This text is quite possibly one of the, uh, how would you say it, classical texts on marriage and relationships in all of the Bible. If you've ever been to a wedding, you've probably heard this verse read, and this these verses read in some capacity. And so, we're going to spend a little bit of time um, there tonight, looking at a couple of points. But I need to frame what we're saying tonight with a couple of like. We need to take the picture, and then we're going to frame it. So we'll start with the frame first. First of all, I can't say everything that this text wants to be said about. Relationships and dating and sex and the whole nine yards, I just can't so come like I said tomorrow. does that make sense? We maybe could deal with some things that you might still have as questions if you're available, or let's do uh, lunch sometime secondly, for the uh, for if not all of you, I should say this: all of us are more sexually broken than we would like to admit I don't care what you're doing with a significant other or if you hooked up last night, it doesn't bother me. It's not my point here. My point is is that uh, there is hope for every single one of you in Jesus. And if you are a Christian, Jesus does not relate to you on the basis of your sexual past. Let me say that again. Jesus does not relate to you if you were in Him on the basis of your sexual past or even present or even future, He relates to you on, out of His sheer kindness and mercy. And you need to know that tonight because some of you have tender hearts of what I'm going to talk about tonight. So just know that. Put that in your pipe and smoke it all night long. Okay? That's what I want. That's what I want all night long. Okay? Thirdly, why talk to college students about marriage? Because the vast majority of you probably don't even know what to think about marriage. Uh, Some of you might be, and that's okay. But here's the thing. You you need to know what what you're walking into so that when you get there, you know how to navigate it. That's why it's important to talk to college students about relationships and marriage and all nine yards. That's so sort of self-evident, but sometimes you are like, why are you talking to me about marriage because I'm not even thinking about being married? Well, let me tell you this right now. Do you know every relationship that you're in or going to be in is going to end either with you being broken up or you getting married? That's, that's what's going to happen. Your boyfriend that you have right now, y'all are either going to break up or you're going to get married. That's... That's what's going to happen. Or you're going to die. (laughs) I mean, am I right? That's it. Those are your options. So let's be real. Let's be honest about it. And that's where we're at. Okay? I wanted to just give you a few things to kind of talk about that. Now, you know it's February the 15th. Last night, February 14th. Some of you probably went out, spent lots of money, dropped a lot of cash on flowers and a meal. And you probably had a lot of fun doing that, and that's very wonderful. So here we sit on the 15th, sort of in the shadow of Valentine's Day, and that's why I'm talking about uh, that, that being my topic today. But some of you, probably, if you were like me in college, hated Valentine's Day because that's just another reminder of how single I really am and how much I don't want to be single. And how much I long for relationship, and how much I long for somebody to be with me, and so it hurts, doesn't it? If that's what you want, you know it hurts. And here's the thing: it's a good thing to want it. The Bible's going to say, that's the way you were made." So it's like having a, an old-timey ache that just doesn't want to get answered. Valentine's Day also, as you well know, is, it can be a little bit hallmarky and sappy. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, you know, roses are red, violets are blue sort of cards and that sort of thing. And you know what? There's a little bit of cuteness and all that, and I get it. But I just want to suggest to you that the way Valentine's Day talks about love is just a mere shadow of the way the Bible talks about love. And that's also why I've titled the sermon, The Shadow of Valentine's Day. What's a shadow? You know, when you see a building or when you see the shadow of a person, you don't get to see the person's hair in the shadow. You don't get to see the color of their eyes. The shadow lacks personality. It's just a contour. You don't, you don't get to see a smile on the face of a shadow. So it's not so much the shadow. The shadow is just a vague representation of the object itself. And I'm here to tell you that Paul, in this letter, is trying to say, I want to show you the substance of what love really is. And he's going to do that by talking about marriage. And he's going to say three primary things about marriage. First of all, he's going to show us the goodness of marriage. Secondly, he's going to talk to us about not only the goodness of marriage, but the difficulty of marriage. And then lastly, he's going to talk to us about the point of marriage. So you've got the goodness, the difficulty, and the point, And I hope that you'll walk away with those three things kind of filled out tonight. First of all, what in the world do I mean by the goodness of marriage? Well, look with me in verse 31. Paul is saying, he is citing actually from the book of Genesis, "...therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now, why do I say that it is good? Why do I say that marriage in and of itself is a really, really, really good thing? Well, there's a ton of reasons, but I'm going to give you two tonight, because I think it's two that maybe might most hit home with some college students. First of all, It's the place where love and respect are meant to be given and received. That's the first one. I'm coming back to it. Secondly, it is the place where oneness happens and is expressed in many areas, but certainly sexually. Those are my two points underneath this main heading. Here we go. First deal. Place where love and respect are meant to uh, be given and received. Paul is saying that in, the, in marriage, you actually get what your heart most longs for. Did you know that? Did you know that it's in marriage that the deepest stirring of your heart, I don't care who you are, whether you're a Christian or not, that it's there, that, you, that it's in the context of marriage that that ache gets met. Here's what I mean. Notice with me in the Bible here, where Paul says in the last verse, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself. He's talking to men. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, there are all sorts of like gender issues and such. I'm just not going to get any of those. Come tomorrow, okay? I'm not going to get into those right now. And they need to be talked about. I can't do it tonight. But here's what I'm going to say. Notice in this text how what is given to each gender is different. Paul is saying that men ought to love their wives, their chicas, their women, and the ladies need to respect their husbands. It's not the same thing, and that's intentional. Why? Here's why. Fellas, listen up. I'm going to talk about the ladies because they know this is true about them. What they most want, more than anything else, is to know that they are loved. In some way, shape, form, or fashion, they want to know that they are cherished and that they are beautiful, that they are delighted in, and they are longing for that to be, for someone to do that for them. I don't care who you are. If you think I'm lying, ladies, why do you wear makeup? Why do you get all dolled up? It's because you're longing to be known that you're beautiful. That you're longing to know that somebody would look at you, warts and all, and find you deeply, deeply enjoyable and lovely. Am I reading your mail yet? Fellas, hang on, I'm coming your way. That's what he's talking about. That you actually can't have that anywhere else except in marriage. Here's the thing, people often ask me they come to me and they say, "Hey Ryan, can you tell us a little bit about marriage like as we're dating, like what we need to be doing?" And I'm saying and I often have to say this, "Look, there are some things that you just can't know about marriage until you get married. Like you just can't know about them. It's like trying to say, "Hey, can you um can you tell me a little bit about like driving a car and like what to do if you know if you're approaching like a wreck and some like you can tell people about it all day, but then there's a point where you just have to be in the driver's seat and know how to slam on the brakes to save your butt. You know what I'm talking about? That's what I'm trying to get at. And I'm saying that the way that you'll know, the way that you see this in this text is that every single woman longs to know that she's loved and it's different for the, than it is for the guys. And that's this, fellas. This is what is most true about you, whether you know it or not. You long to be respected. And ladies, that's what, in marriage, you're aiming for to give your man. And that listen, that does not mean that you let him walk all over you. Oh, that's not what I'm talking about. It doesn't mean that you just sort of get big, fat, and pregnant and walk around in flip flops in the kitchen all day. And, you know, that's what it means to respect him because you're cooking and baking and eggs every morning, that sort of thing. That's, that's not at all what he's getting at here. Here's what it means for men to be respected they want to know that they have what it takes, that they're able. That's why dudes compete in everything. It's because they want to know that they can achieve something. You can turn like a sock folding party into a competition with guys and somebody wants to win it. Why? Because they want to know that they're able. Think about it like this. When I was actually dating Laura, one of the reasons that I did not want to pursue her, I did not want to date her, was because I was deathly afraid not to, That the relationship wouldn't work. I was scared that it would work. Because what happens when it worked and then I failed? What happens when I was committed to her and then all of a sudden I do something to disappoint her or I let her down or I act like a jerk and then I gotta say I'm sorry? You see what I'm saying? Like something deep inside of me gets stirred because I feel like I'm gonna fail. And if you ask me where some of my greatest fears are, it relates, as a man, it relates strictly to being able to perform and to do well at things. That is what... the. This is not like pop psychology. This is exactly what the Scriptures are saying. And Paul knows that to see a marriage sing... That those two things have to be have coming from one gender to the other. Does that make sense? Y'all kind of see what I'm getting at? They're, they're different. You, you can go to a guy and be like, "I love you. You are so beautiful. I cherish you. Oh, the way that you look today just is stunning." And they're, they're going to be like, "Okay." It's it's a loss of words. That's what Paul is trying to say. Secondly. He not, not, Don't go there, quit to you. I'm, I'm still on the first point. It's the place where oneness, Paul says, happens and is expressed. That's what he means by two people becoming one flesh. One fleshedness is meant in multiple spheres, economically, socially, and so on. But I'm going to talk about sexually. That's what I'm going to talk about tonight. Because I know that's the question that if, if you want me to ask, but you're too afraid to ask me. So, we're just going to talk about it. First of all, you need to know that you are a sexual being, that God made you to be sexual. Some of y'all's stories have so marred your, your sexuality that it is unnerving to talk about sex. That's okay. There's hope in Jesus, there's counselors all over this campus. You can come talk to me, and we can talk about that. But I want you to know that God created you sexually. And so long as Christianity tries to downplay human sexuality, we're doing a disservice to the world. And we're doing a disservice to Christians. Because what that means is, is that you should be ashamed if you're sexual. And Paul is saying that ain't the case. You were made to be this way. I'm going to go in one step further. Hang with me. When you're hooking up and it feels good, guess what? It was meant to feel good. That's exactly what Paul's talking about. Now, I'm not saying that needs to be happening in the wrong expression, y'all. I'm just saying, you would not talk to my wife as a counselor, you would not believe the pathologies that happen in real marriages, in real marriages because of abuse, and when an abuser touches somebody, and for the rest of their life, they feel awful about their sexuality. And for some of you in this group, I'm tapping on a nerve. And you need to come talk to me. You need to, because there is hope and there is grace, and our Lord Jesus is in the business of making all things new, even your sexuality. You need to hear me say that. When you get married one day, I want your marriage to be a place where both partners are literally sexually restored. That's what God wants in this beautiful, glorifying picture of what it means to be married. Is that the sexual brokenness of man and woman are literally rebuilt, reconfigured, restructured in this beautiful context of marriage. And that is why it's good. That is why it's good. Okay, how do I drive this home? Because i got to keep moving. First, What, don't answer, what are you thinking right now? I can't believe this dude would talk about sex. Come on, man. Come off of it. The Bible does not pull any punches about your sexuality. If you think I'm lying, read the book of Song of Songs. Jewish boys before they were 13 years old were not allowed to read it. It was too graphic. I know what y'all are doing tonight. (laughs) It's in the Old Testament, if you want to know. What do you think? Like, I want to drive at home. I really want you to do business with that. And then secondly, I want you to know that as good as marriage is, your spouse will never be your ultimate. Your spouse will never be your ultimate spouse. Only Jesus can be that. Listen to what one pastor, Tim Keller, says. He says, A man or woman is prepared to be a husband or a wife. I'm just going to say it for the man. You can flip it. A man is prepared to be a husband to his wife as he is committed to be a bride to Jesus. See that? Who is your ultimate spouse? For some of you, you have no idea what I'm talking about. And that's why you need to come back to RUF. That's why you need to come hang out with me. So we can talk about Jesus being the lover of your soul. Okay. Secondly, that marriage is actually difficult, or the difficulty of marriage. Why is it so hard? I'm just going to try to be very, very brief on this. Look with me at verse 29. It says that, fellas, that you're supposed to love women as Christ does the church. Do you know what Christ did for the church? He died for her. The text says that He literally gave Himself up for her. Now, I'm not talking about like romantic notions. I don't know how many of y'all may have seen floating around on Facebook or whatever about that student up in like, is it Southern Illinois or something like that? Did somebody see that? where There was a gunman, you saw it. The gunman came in and this big old burly football player covered up his girlfriend. He was killed and she she lived. I mean, it's a pretty amazing story actually. It's a great picture of the gospel. He gave himself up. That guy was doing what Jesus does for us. It's an amazing picture. Guys, that's why it's difficult. Because you're selfish. And I'm selfish. I'm coming back to you girls. That's why. It's difficult because to actually be married feels like death. It feels like death. Because you're dying to yourself all of the time. For the sake of your spouse. That's why. Ladies, I'm coming at you now. Why is it difficult? If you'll notice, for you, it says that He gave Himself up for her. Verse 26, that He might sanctify her. Literally, that means wash her or bathe her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the Word. Now listen, you want to read this and you think like Bath and Body Works bubble bath. That's what, oh, that's awesome. I mean, we're just pouring in the like, what are they called? Bath salts. And it's smelling all good, like eucalyptus. And, you know, you got your makeup on and all that sort of stuff, and your hair is not even getting wet in the jacuzzi. That's not at all what he's talking about. Not at all. Think about when you were six or seven and you were riding your bike and you fell off your bike and your hands went like this and they got all scabbed up and your knees got all stabbed up. When you looked down, there was a bunch of gravel in your knees and in your palm of your hand. And then your mom had to say, come here, I'm going to pour some alcohol in there so we can get it clean because there's probably going to be an infection. That's the sort of washing that Paul has in mind. Because it's painful. It's painful. Why is it painful? Because it's going to expose the sin in your life. It's going to expose all of your own selfishness. So hang with me. Why is it difficult? you got one selfish person over here. you got another selfish person over here. And then they finally lock arms and say, let's do life together. Isn't this going to be great? And to spend your whole life working that out is incredibly, incredibly difficult. So what are we going to do about it? I want to suggest to you two things that will make a marriage and a relationship, even if you're in it now, really sing. First of all, forgiveness. Will you be the sort of person that when the other person's self-centeredness gets way out of control, that you'll be able to look at that and actually forgive it? that you'll be able to forgive that person as Jesus forgives you, that's going to be what's required. Secondly, repentance. Here's what I mean by repentance. I don't mean some like high and mighty holy thing. I just mean the ability to say I was wrong. I was wrong. I did something stupid and boneheaded. Will you please forgive me? If you think that's easy, let me just ask you, when's the last time you've done that? It's really, really hard, especially when you know that person over there that you're having to say, I'm sorry to, you feel like they've done everything wrong to you. So, why should you be the one having to say you're sorry? Fellas, if I ever marry you, you know what I mean by that. I'm not actually married. I'm if I ever do your ceremony, you'll hear me say this. Our words have problems, don't we? I'm going to look at you in the eyes and I'm going to say, you, you men, are called to be the chief repenters in your relationship. I want you to lead your wife in what it looks like to actually say, I'm sorry, will you please forgive me? Why? Because when you have a man that leads like that, a woman's heart is softened in such a way that she will follow. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. Okay? I, look, I know there's hard-hearted girls out there too. And stubborn, I know it. The point is though, when you lead with that, it creates an environment where it's safe to actually be a sinner. Does that make sense? I'm just trying to talk about ways to fight against the difficulty in relationship. Questions for applications while you're a student and you're not married yet. First of all, how do you actually repent and forgive? Do you actually do it with your boyfriend or with your girlfriend? Do you actually do it? Do you actually do it? And then, secondly, this presupposes that people really are sinners. That in relationship they really are that way. Now what does that mean and why would I even talk about that? Here's why. Some of y'all are looking. You have this idea of the perfect spouse, don't you? That I just can't wait that when Jesus brings me this dude with a chiseled jawline and like an eight pack, and like he's going to make lots of money, and he just, he's just going to pamper me all my days. Y'all think that that is what Jesus is going to deliver you. Or if you're a guy, you think, man, I cannot wait for that blonde-haired, blue-eyed beauty to come walking through the door who's had plastic surgery everywhere and she looks like Barbie and then she doesn't smell and she's going to cook me ham and eggs every morning and clean my house. Like, I can't wait for Jesus to give me somebody like that. And I'm just saying that both of those folks are in for some, like, you're going to be sadly disappointed. Because it just doesn't exist. Ladies, some of y'all, if Jesus were to come back, you wouldn't date him. You wouldn't. You wouldn't date the King of Kings because he doesn't fit your paradigm of what you want in a male. And guys, I don't have a female image, but you get the point. The reality is here is that do you have a category that somebody is actually equally as broken as you are that's going to need somebody to work out all of life together with that's what the picture it's it's lofty no other religion in the world gives you a picture of marriage like Christianity does i just don't it's too lofty it's actually too beautiful lastly the point of marriage Here's what I mean to say. That the point of marriage is actually not marriage. Did you know that? That the point of marriage is actually something far greater and far more grand, and that is the love affair that Jesus has with His bride. Namely, the church. So every single marriage, mine and Laura's, is meant to be a display to you and to the world of how Jesus loves the church. We fail at it every day, but that's the point of marriage. That's exactly what the point is. Now, how how does this work out? Hang with me. You've got two parties in the marriage, each of them taking on a role in the context of relationship, to show forth the beauty of the love affair that Jesus has with the church. You have, I'm going to touch on this. i got to be ever so brief. You have the guys leading, men leading, females following. Hang with me on, ladies. Put your guns down, please, for just a second. before. See, I told you that's what he was going to I knew it. I knew it. He was going to say this. Please, just give me a second to get my words out about what the Bible actually means before you get all upset with me. When the Bible talks about following, when the Bible talks about submission, it's not talking about the idea of you're less of a person. Do you know when the Bible talks about God creating a helper for Adam in the the Garden of Eden... That word for, uh, the word for helper is the Hebrew word etzer. And it spoke of actually, that's the word used of God. That's the word used of God. Now, it's coming in all of your strength, ladies. In all that you have to offer, ladies. Your man needs help. We don't have it together. And so we got to rely on somebody. That's the beautiful picture. And it becomes this dance. It becomes this dance. And it's beautiful when you see it. And in the most beautiful pictures of marriage, neither male nor female is diminished. At all. At all. Now, you can still be mad with me. But I'm just like... That's just what the Bible's saying. So be mad at it. Don't shoot the messenger. Okay? Fire away at it. Just lay off of me. I want you to see that. Listen, here's how this works: it has to be both people taking up their roles, such that the world looks on and is mesmerized that Jesus loves his people. Your kids one day, I want them to say, when their friends ask them, why are your mom and dad so nice to each other? Or why do they act like that? That you'll say, I don't know. I don't know, but they keep telling me about this is the way that Jesus loves the church. This is the way Jesus loves his people. And we're supposed to be able to look at them and get a glimpse of his love for us. I'll close with this illustration. When I was in college, senior year, my roommate and I bought a golden retriever. Maybe one of the dumbest decisions in my entire life. Don't get—I mean, I, I love dogs. I love golden retrievers. But me getting a golden retriever in our college, when I didn't have any time to take care of, was the dumbest thing I ever did in college. We had to give the thing away. Sorry, Raleigh, wherever you are. When we were training Raleigh, we were like, you yeah, know, as a retriever, you're supposed to retrieve, throw the ball. And what's the dog do? <laughs> like, look up at you. Tongue out, happy, smiley, waggy tail. He goes, Robert, go get the ball. And I'd point at and say, go get the ball. And he'd look up with that cold nose and lick my finger. He's mesmerized by my finger. Looking at my finger was not the point. I'm saying, go that way. Go get the ball, Raleigh. And what Jesus is saying, what Paul is saying, what the infinite, eternal, triune God is saying is that your relationships, primarily in the picture of marriage, are meant to do this. To point to Jesus and His love affair with His people. That's what it's meant to do. Marriage is so good. I highly recommend it. But I will tell you, it is so stinking hard. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. But it's so good. It's so good. And the whole point of it is not about me and Laura. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. To quote Madonna, <laughs> what are you looking at? What are you looking at? What are you looking at? Is it your self-centeredness? Is it your hope for this wonderful marriage? I hope God gives it to you. What are you looking at? There's a good life for you if you never get married. I want you to know that. Jesus is the ultimate spouse. He's the ultimate lover. And you are the object of his delight and his affection. Pray with me.